0: What's up world this is Tarnisha Moses your vision empowerment and extreme execution coach and you are listening to keeping the tab
1: World, easy worlds, your man and boogie. Don't worry about the name, get used to the voice. And it is another episode of Keeping the Tile. Thank you so much for rocking and moving with me as always. And it is good to have you in the building, in the mix with me, ladies and gentlemen. It is a new second, it's a new minute, it's a new hour, it's a new day, and therefore it's a new round. And I need to make sure that you are still in this fight with me. But y'all, I am not in this alone. I got a sparring partner, and this is going to be good. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I need you to do is make sure that you get your seat and gather around the ring because I promise you, you're going to love this one. All the way from the Garden State, Brick City, coming in at the weight of none of your business, my girl, Miss Tarnisha Mosas. Tarnisha Mosas, are you in the building, my girl? I am in the building. I'm in the building. Yes. What's going on, my guy? Yes. What is going on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all, she is here, she is here So, Mo, this is what I need you to do Is go ahead and get your hands wrapped Get your gloves on, get your mouthpiece in your mouth Get your headgear on And that knock you hear is to get out of your dress room And make your way to the ring Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who just walked into the door Yes, go and gather a seat And gather around the ring It is Aunt Boogie and Mo Sass And this spa session has started Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it <laughs> So, oh, Mo, oh, let's go ahead and let's slide up in this 1990-something Acura <laughs> and we're going to rewind this tape back to nineteen something and then we are going to start from the genesis of Miss Tarnisha Sass. The genesis,
0: wow. I would say that I am a... My, my my parents are my parents, right? So I was raised in the house with both my parents, my mother and my father. I have a older brother, younger sister. So I'm the middle child, y'all. I'm just telling you right now, middle child, full of mischief. She, want, she wanted all the smoke from her parents and everybody else, right? That's the genesis of Moses. She wanted all the smoke when she was a child. That means if it was to be said, she was going to say it. If it was going to be done, she was going to do it right wrong didn't make a difference (laughs) I'm just gonna rebel and do what it is that I want to do that's how listen that's how I started y'all I started off in with a very people say rebellious spirit but I always say that just was wise beyond my years and kind of had a head on me that knew like I was going to do something different. I was going to be something different. Um, I, I think I knew that from a very young age, although it didn't quite show. I'll just say that I, I spent a lot of time fighting. Not proud of that, right? A lot of time fighting. I was in them streets. <laughs> I, was, I was the girl coming home with the knees all messed up in the pants, right? You know, elbows all scraped up. You know, the, the, the one story that gets told about me often is me My parents had us And we started off In Irvington, New Jersey And we went to a Catholic school My aunt we, My aunt who was She's a few years older than me And my brother We had to take the bus And they always talk about How my aunt would look In the back of the bus And I would be on the ground Fighting with somebody On the way to school This was the story That I was told It's like My aunt said She was like I used to be so embarrassed I was in kindergarten But I would be In the back of the bus
1: Fighting Mo, somebody Mo, you scrapping with people Even in kindergarten? The kindergarten like no not not what? kindergarten kindergarten that's a you kindergarten you, you, okay. you scrap <laughs> in the back of the bus does a fight uh, <laughs> oh boy.
0: so you know i i like to put my spin on that now and say you know i am definitely a fighter i've learned now to be a fighter in spirit as opposed to these hands but let's not get crazy okay don't try jesus don't try me really <laughs>
1: so now you you were the kid scrapping in the bus and kitten gotten and as Mm -hmm. you grew let's go ahead and just take us into the home what was home life like for you home life for me um back then and
0: i and i wonder if preferences i'm gonna put this in the frame of mind of a child It was rough for me being the middle kid and being so rebellious. And I had a a mom who was, she was a teenage mother and she was hell bent on me not being like her, but didn't realize that the way that I felt like I was being treated was going to end me on that same exact road. She was extremely, extremely tough. It was tough love. It wasn't that, oh, I'm going to hug you and say I love you. It was like, no, I'm about to slap you in your mouth and you better go somewhere and sit down. Kids are to be seen and not heard. And they were. she was just very, very tough. My father was the ultimate provider. He didn't really get involved with us in terms of like the kid stuff unless my mother called him in and said they are cutting up and then he's going to handle business, right? But for the most part, my father My father was a very stoic man. He, you know, went to work, made sure the bills were paid, you know, just that guy. He always, now my father was also the guy that on our front porch, he always had like the weightlifting bench. So he definitely did the working out thing. Like he was always, you know, physically fit and working out. So that was that was mom and my mother and father. My brother was always the golden child as far as my mother was concerned. Listen, he could do no wrong, okay, in my mother's eyes. And that was, the, that was the way that was gonna be. And then my sister who was the baby, she's five years younger than me, that was my daddy's girl. So I always felt like I was in the middle when I really didn't have anybody. And so a lot of the fight was fighting to be seen and fighting to be heard because I felt like I didn't have anyone but my aunt. My mother is one of 12 and she has six sisters. So I had my aunts on my mom's side and my father was one of five. So definitely had, you know, my aunts on my dad's side. So that was kind of what home life felt to me. I felt like literally the one in the middle who wasn't seen, who wasn't heard. So she was just going to make noise.
1: With your siblings, were there moments that, because you said you were the outspoken one, were there moments that there was a clash with you and your parents or was it like specifically with your mother like okay girl there's only one woman in this house it ain't it ain't two what are those moments absolutely
0: absolutely they call my mother my mother her sister the Amazon women so absolutely there were clashes there were clashes because when you don't feel like you are or loved at all. I felt like my parents did not love me at all. Let's be very clear. And so it was nothing they could really say or do to me that I respected because I felt like they didn't care anything about me. Of course, there's a reason why I felt that way. There was a very specific thing that happened to me in my life that I felt that way. So it wasn't just one of those things where I kind of like like made it up in my head. It was a feeling. There was something that, that happened to me at 13 years old that changed the trajectory of my life.
1: And let's dive into that a little For you to say at that young age
0: mm-hmm. That
1: you didn't feel your parents love you Because not many kids feel that as, There's not a lot of kids who feel that But mm-hmm. you felt this from a young age Let's dive into How did it even get to that point to so you felt that they didn't love you
0: so at thirteen years old, um, my my aunt then, and at the time, I'm going to tell you, I was thirteen. I can't remember. I, I don't know if she married him before this or after this, but this was her her living partner. He ended up you know touching me in a very sexual way. And the reason why he was able to get to me and I'm going to say this because I think this is such an important and pivotal point in this story, especially for the for moms of whether you have sons or daughters. The reason why he was able to get to me is because I was always told that I was a bad child. I was always kind of like made to feel that I was less than because, you know, I was you know unconventional in every way I was a tomboy so I was told all the time that I was bad and I was you know just a bunch of stuff so when he came into my aunt's life and essentially came into my life how he won me over was he told me that I was pretty I had never heard that he told me that um I was a good kid and I was just misunderstood like they don't understand you I do I get it you know like they treat you know and he would tell me like they treat the others better than you because they think you're bad but I know that you're not so he made me feel seen Heard and love and as a result of that, one weekend um, my cousins were up from down south. My aunt was up here, so with, because my mother had twelve brothers and sisters, I had an aunt that was older than me, and I had an aunt that was younger than me. So my aunt that was one year older than me, she was there. My other cousin, we all—he was going to take us all out to the movies, but I got to sit in the front of the car. I got to sit in the front of the car because. I was special, you know, I I was, I, I he saw me differently. Now I didn't pay attention to, because I'm 13, I hadn't had sex yet, that in the front of the car, he was touching my knee and rubbing my, my, my thigh. And for me, I don't, I don't know, like I'm a tomboy. I wasn't even thinking about sex at that point. So I'm just thinking, well, he loves me because I didn't know what it meant to have genuine affection other than to be yelled at or to be where I felt talked down to. So the fact that he was touching me and I always wanted that for myself, I I thought that this was just him showing me love. And I'm going to sidebar for a second. My mom, her father and her stepmother lived in Providence, Rhode Island. They would see me there every summer as a kid. And she had Harlequin romance books. Uh, like stacks of them. So as a kid, I'm talking about from the age of like seven, when I first started reading, I would read those books. So that's why I want to give context as to why him touching me. I wanted to, you know, feel that kind of love. Cause I thought, you know, from reading books, like that was romance. And it's like, Oh my God, if somebody loves you, they'll show you that they'll hug you or do all these things that didn't happen in my house. So I didn't think of it as, you know, him trying to, you know, do something harmful. I thought he loved me. So long story short, we go Go to the movies we go to the movies he asked me was i cold and i said yeah because i had on shorts. so he took his jacket off and put it over my lap didn't think anything of it but he put his hand underneath it and was like rubbing my my leg now i'm gonna just be real i remember it feeling uncomfortable but because i wasn't too sure and because i had always been told that i was dramatic or I, or i made things up i didn't want to think that he was doing something because again All in my mind, everything I did wasn't right, or I didn't think right. That's that's kind of the way I was made to feel. So later on that night, after we get back to the movies, everybody gets ready to go to bed. I'm laying on the couch. He's sitting at the end of the couch. No big deal. We all, I mean, cousins everywhere. Everybody's falling asleep. I doze off and I fall asleep and I feel this hand um, starting to touch me. This is the moment. I didn't realize until later, but this is the moment when when they say God is real. You know it. I woke up from him like grabbing like grabbing my 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 butt really really hard and like going up my my shorts and i remember a voice and it was clear as i'm talking to you right now say roll over on the floor huh. and pretend like you're asleep like i heard this i'm 13 i heard it but i and it's so crazy that instinctively i knew to trust the voice so that's exactly what I did. I like like moaned like I was like tossing and turning and I rolled off the couch and I fell on the floor and I listened to the voice that said, pretend like you're asleep. So he stepped back and he said, hey, mo, mo. And I pretended like I didn't hear him. And he was like, you fell off the couch. I didn't answer. He reached down with both of his hands and gripped my breast. And then he walked into the bathroom and he was in there for a minute before he went into my aunt's room. And that was that was so scary to me because i trusted him and that next morning when we when my aunt got up my my younger i said to her we got to get out of here like we got to go and she's like what happened i was like listen we gotta leave and so when we left i told her the story of what happened she actually told my my mother's other sister because there's a bunch of them it's six of them and so they eventually tell my mother so what happened how i found this out was my i called my aunt one morning and say i was like hey like what's going on like everybody's like you know call my mother and i could hear my aunt screaming in the background she's lying and she was like i told i'm like what so i go to school that day and i'm like i don't know what's gonna happen because again no one ever believed me i was i was i made up things i was dramatic right so i was like oh god what's gonna happen Well, my mother and another one of her sisters came and picked me up from school that day. And they asked me what happened. I told them and my aunt believed me. Um, This was her, this was her, another one of her sisters. And she was like, like, I believe her. Which was like odd for me that, that my, you know, my mother believed me too. But as a result of this... I heard this was the next day. I heard my mother talking to my father in the bedroom. I heard my mother say to my father, um, he had the nerve to say like she was dreaming. And can we come over to dinner and talk about it? But Mm. after that, I heard nothing else. Nothing. It was as if it, it never happened. We didn't talk about it nothing. A couple of months later, the same aunt that's married to the guy who touched me is having a, having a party. I believe it was Halloween or something. Cause this happened in the summertime. Cause it was still warm out. My mother said we were going and I was like, I'm not going over there, but you got to remember who I am in the family. I'm the rebellious one. I talked back. So she was like, you are not you. If I say you're going, you're going to go, you ain't going to tell me what you're going to do. And she walked me back in that door. The day she walked me back in that door, was the day I decided I didn't matter to them. So they no longer mattered to me because they did nothing about it. They said nothing about it. And you took me back in the door. Wow, Game changer.
1: So Mo, you go up into this party and mm-hmm. you're there. You're back face to face with this gentleman mm-hmm. and the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. Oh, what goes through your head? After you experience what you experienced and then the following time you go into this house again. What goes through your head?
0: First of all, you pretend as if nothing happened, right? You pretend. So I'm with my cousins, but I didn't, I didn't process this till later. You got to understand, like my mind didn't process it till later. What happened from uh, what I learned in therapy was almost like a switch. It was like a switch, like they don't care nothing about you. It was almost like a different voice showed up, mm. right? They don't care nothing about you. No one's going to protect you, but you that's what
1: happened. You move with this mindset of Mm -hmm. no one is going to protect you but you. So Mo, once you move with this mindset, who is Mo as this young teenager with this mindset now?
0: Oh my gosh, so confused and mixed up. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, if you don't think that nobody in your your home loves you and you have been fighting to get their attention all this time, what do you do? You turn to boys, right? Okay. So (laughs) I met my, now my oldest son's father and at the time, you know, it's so interesting what happens to a teen's mind. I wasn't even thinking about sex, but all of a sudden now sex enters the picture. Okay. So I turned into this almost promiscuous, rebellious, and you, if you thought I was bad before, now it's worse. Cause now I'm running away. Mm. Um, I didn't care. Like I would be in school. I always kind of got in trouble in school, but it got worse. Like I was always getting suspended for something and it was always me to be fighting or talking back to the teachers. I really just stopped caring. Mm-hmm. That That's that's what happened to me. I just stopped caring and I just wanted to fight everybody. Wow. I became angry. What, mm-hmm.
1: Once that's happening, mom's getting the call, pop's getting the call. Yep. Tarnisha's suspended again. <laughs> so when they're coming and they're, they're dealing with you, mm-hmm, and I'm sure they're probably giving you the, the, the lecture. Oh, you better stop and blah, blah, blah.
0: Mo. And you're you getting your butt.
1: Listen, this is this is back in the day, okay? Right. We're, we're talking about the 80s. You like The 70s, late 70s, 80s, you're getting a beating. Yeah, you know Damn. what I mean. You you know you know what I mean. Like, you start with the lecture, and then the beating comes with the lecture, and then the lecture comes in after the end, and then you get finished off with a beating. But I'm saying, like, when they were coming at you, and they were saying what they're saying was it going in one ear and out the other or was it like all right i still got the plan when y'all finish with me i'm dipping from the house so
0: yeah pretty much i didn't care nothing they say. i was mm-hmm. just like whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> it to me i heard it all before it's right. nothing that you could say about me that i didn't hear so i don't care
1: mm-hmm. i'm gonna go out here and do whatever it is that i'm gonna do so mo mm-hmm. reckless teenager rebellious mm-hmm. moving. Let's go deeper into this teenager as, as a high school young lady and leaving out high getting ready to leave our high school and mm-hmm. going into the pre-world. So who is this Mo now? This 17, 18 year old. Whoa. I was
0: 15. The very so what the very first time um, after I met my son's father, again, falling in love, thinking that I'm in love, I end up getting pregnant now at this time again I'm only 15 years. I'm 15 now at this time and what happened was after I got pregnant I'm like oh you didn't just having sex she ain't even thinking about any of the things back then his sisters tried to help me like get an abortion they were trying to give me their ID and all this other stuff and it just didn't work out people were telling me to drink nail polish I mean all this crazy oh. stuff Yeah, it was like, back then it was nuts, okay? We didn't have internet, any of that stuff that exists today. Like, you just heard all this stuff, you gotta get rid of the baby. And what ended up happening is the same aunt that I told about my aunt's then partner touching me, I told her about being pregnant. And by this time, I'm almost, I'm like four months pregnant at this time. And she tells my mother. My mother then comes in the bathroom after all this time not even noticing how big I was getting, because I was kind of hiding it too. She couldn't believe it. So they actually took me then this, this is this is with this is some old school stuff, y'all. Y'all talk about toxic and narcissistic today. Y'all have no idea what these what the 80s and <laughs> babies went through. Okay, the 70s, 80s babies. They took me to his his house. His mother was in the living room. He was there. They told him he could leave. This is what they told the boyfriend.
1: The damn boyfriend.
0: Wow. Yeah, they told him he could leave. Like, like he didn't have any part in this, right? Like Mm. I got pregnant by myself. He could leave. So he (laughs) goes in the kitchen, he's fixing him something, something to eat. I'm in the living room with his mother and my mother. My mother basically saying, like, listen, I'm not taking care of no babies. Okay. And she's gonna have an abortion. It's gonna cost, I believe at the time back then it was like a thousand dollars or something like that. And you know basically what you got on it. And his mother was like she didn't have she didn't really she didn't have any money or whatever, but we so we left. And my mother, I don't know how she knew about the place in Englewood, New Jersey. I don't know if it's probably I think it's still there too. I don't know how she knew about it, but she um took me and they told her, well they told us at the time it's going to be a two-day procedure. We go in and the doctor like does an ultrasound and asks me, did I want to know the sex? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you, because I just think that this is important to understand the psyche of a 15 year old who just didn't have a clue really what she was doing. I know a lot of times people think that, oh, you know, you you the 15 year olds like adults they have common sense. They have no real common sense at 15. We just are doing things and thinking that you are just like nothing can ever happen to exactly. you. Yep, right. Yep, yep, and yep. so I wanted to know the sex, but I did, I was scared. My mother was in the room. So it was like I just knew to shut my mouth. And my mother was like, just come on, like, you know, basically like we don't have time for all this. So they did a two-day procedure. So the first day they put these six in me, I guess to dilate me at the time. I really don't know all the ins and outs of the procedure cuz I never wanted to go back and find it out. So we had to leave and we got a hotel room. And in that hotel room, I must have moaned and tossed and turned in pain. I was like in, I was in pain even though they gave us gave me medication. My mom took my sister and went to the mall and I moaned and groaned and moaned and groaned and moaned and groaned and they came back and again it was a hard night for me and this what's, What's even worse is it traumatized my little sister too. And the next morning we got up, we had to be there by like six, seven in the morning or something like that. And they vacuumed out and sent me home and it was to never be talked about again. And why is this story important? Because they did all of that for me to turn around a year later, end up pregnant by the same boy, because we stayed together. And now I'm going to run away. Okay. Because I'm not doing that again. She's pregnant. Oh, Oh man. She got pregnant her senior year of high school. And it was some, some crazy things that happened because being nine months pregnant back then this is 1993 okay you the, it wasn't it wasn't a lot of teen mothers okay um that wasn't the thing back then right so I was pregnant I remember being nine months pregnant and I had gotten into a, a little bit of an argument with one of the security guards there and I remember him saying like you ain't gonna be nothing but a welfare mother anyway like basically saying I'm gonna be a bum and so I heard a lot of things about myself that I was gonna be a bum I was gonna be locked up I wasn't gonna be anything you you know i get pregnant i have my son march 29th 93 i still graduate from high school but i leave high school with still a chip on my shoulder still looking for love on the long places now i'm with a new guy um who is not my son's You know father at the time and it's interesting it's an interesting point in my life though because my son changed everything I had him at 17 but he kind of changed my thought pattern a little bit because in my mind I was like my son is gonna have the world Mm -hmm. he's never going to feel what I'm feeling and if anybody looks at him wrong I'm willing to take their life Because he will never feel what I felt. He will always know that his mother loved him. So if anybody does anything to him, I'm going to jail. Like that was where I was, like my head, right? He's not gonna, so that to me meant I had to work very, very hard and I had to prove everybody wrong. So everybody who said I wasn't gonna be anything and then my mother thought when I had this baby, she was gonna have to step in and do all these things. She'll even tell you to this day. When I gave birth to that baby, she would say, she didn't have to get up in the middle of the night and any of that, I handled it. I instantly became like this, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Everything you say about me, you're going to eat those words. It was, so it was very interesting. So even though I still had some of that anger and rebellion, but my son changed my life. He changed my life. Now I still gotten into trouble. So although I wanted to get it together because I was dealing with the wrong you know, type of guys, I got into some trouble. The guy I was with, he ended up you know, cheating on me and I ended up going to the girl's house, kicking in the door. It just became this whole court case. And what happened was my mom knew a recruiter, the army recruiter, and they made it so if I go to the army that I wouldn't get into trouble. And so I wouldn't have to deal with serving any sort of sentence or time or any of that. And at the back then you could do that, which was great. I wish they still had that today because that, my son plus that, Equals how I'm sitting in front of you today The military Oh that was everything that I needed Everything that I So I ended up having to go to the military
1: at 19 It's just funny how you just made it seem like it was nothing Yeah so dude did something Found a girl, kicked down the door Like it was nothing Like I was going to the corner store Like jeez Mo So that's how we got to that point Yeah so we had had your son now And military yeah. Mo hits the military and get off the bus. Drop the bag. Mo, what was this like? This culture shock like that. You come from, from Jersey and then hop in on the, the bus city. And then, from Be the clear. city. Right. In, in the city. city. And then you hop on the bus and then you're with cows and and, and some other things that you don't even know that you think is crickens. But um you come off this bus and they just start barking and everything. Mo. Put us in that space. What was this like?
0: I was like, what in the <laughs> hell is going on? To- <laughs> Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. And it's so crazy because my recruiter tried. He was a great guy. He tried to get me prepared. But because I was so angry and I didn't trust anybody. When you don't trust your own parents, you don't trust anybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't have any trust. So it was like getting... I mean, I, re- I just remember these people yelling, but I was so angry at the time, even though they was yelling. I was like, well, what you going to do? That's what you told them. <laughs> just like, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, but at the same token, I had fear in my heart. I was afraid that if I, I knew that if I messed up, I was going to have to go back and face that judge. Oh, I had fear.
1: Wow. So
0: there was two parts to me, right? Now, I don't know if it was true or not. That judge put the fear of God in me. Okay. in her chambers, like, I didn't know if it was true or not, but she made it seem like that I would come back. I would serve time and you know, I wouldn't have my son, you know, she made it like it was, I mean, she, and again, I'm I'm 18. So I don't know whether it's true or not true. I just know at the time it felt like this is do or die for you. So I'm like, it, what it did was it cracked me wide open. I had never cried like I cry in Fort Lindenwood, Missouri. Because now I got to do something with these emotions because it really wasn't anger. It was hurt. But I don't know that. I don't even I don't even understand feelings. Okay. so I got to do something with this. So now I'm crying. It cracked me wide open because for the first time i also felt seen and heard by my drill sergeant i will never forget sergeant catino i will never forget her she was a black woman she was hard very very hard kind of like my mom in some ways but different where she she saw me though she knew i would get into trouble but she would talk to me in such a way that she would like give me different ways to go about it she was like you are not wrong but the way you're going about it is wrong so nobody's gonna hear you mm. and she gave me a different way to see things yeah she called me names and stuff because <laughs> I would like I wasn't used to working out like that and so you know she would call me names and I would constantly get into trouble I was the person who if you were in military in your army you know this I would have to do front back goals on the lawn and with them spraying me with the holes mm. like I was just a hot mess okay mm. I was bad I was bad. My bunkie, we locked her in the locker. (laughs) We were, we were terrible. Okay, I was the person who said I was going. I was signed up to go to chapel on Sunday because if you go to church, you get out of cleaning. But we would like, (laughs) we would go to Burger King. We were terrible. But it was the best place I could have ever been. It really helped me to, to go about things in a different way than I had ever thought about going before because I had to face people who there were, there were men there who had strong beliefs that women shouldn't be in the army back then. And I will never forget, you know, the, the guy who's actually like, I, it's not line leader, but I can't think of his direct title right now. He had a real strong problem with this. So when he would say stuff, he would always talk down to the women. And of course, remember, I'm the rebellious one. I got the big mouth, right? I would speak back. And it caused me to get into real big trouble because the one thing you don't do in the military is you don't talk back, right? To, to whoever is outranking you at the time. Okay, you don't talk back. But I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, you not, I don't care who you think you are. You ain't gonna talk to me, it's got away. So Sergeant Catino in that, she had to punish me. This is why I'm saying I respect her. She had to punish me. So she brought me in. She asked me what happened though. And I told her everything, and she had to punish me. So I had to run, I had to run with my gun, and I had to take my gun and it would go from the top of my head to my chest, down to my knee, back to my chest up to the top of my head. So I had to like run in place with that. Then I had to go get the gas mask and put it on and run in place with my gun, with my rifle. Um, Like she punished me. But let me tell you what she also did. After she punished me, she rectified the situation in such a way to let him know that you will never do that to her again. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it made me feel seen, heard, and protected.
1: During your tenure there in the military. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once it's over and... (laughs) time for mo to go back get on the bus and go back Mm -hmm. mo what is this like and who's this mo when she gets out of the military
0: more driven she's more driven than ever Mm -hmm. um so she she leaves out she's actually you know seeing a great man at the time i started dating him right before i went into the to the military good upstanding guy working work two jobs type of man great man and Now that I had dealt with some of my stuff, Mm -hmm. I was in a much better place. So I came home like on a mission right so a mission to better myself and so that's how i landed in corporate america um one of my friends his mother worked for a fortune 500 company that i'm still at today it'll be 28 years in september yeah. um and yeah 28 years and so what happened was she said you guys need to find a job y'all need to do something because i was working odd and in jobs i'm telling you i worked i worked three jobs i worked at a doctor's office Um, doing medical records during the day. Then I also worked at Caldor. I worked at Caldor. Caldor. And then I also worked at um, Plainfield Health Center doing medical records in the evening. So when I say I worked, I worked. And so it was all because I wanted my son to have a great life. It was never, it wasn't about me at that point. It was all about him and what I wanted to have for him and what he was never going to be and never going to do and all this other stuff, right? So I was really, really focused on that. So I've been working all these odds and in jobs and still kind of hanging out. I'm still a teenager. I mean, I you am know, still, you know, in my early 20s. So I'm like still like not making great decisions, but good decisions. Okay. So his mom said to us, like, my job is hiring. Go take the test and see if you get in. I went and took the test because I'm going to work. That's what my parents taught me work ethic. That's the one thing that they did. They worked their behinds off. So I'm going to go work because I had great example of what it was to work. So I took the test, got into the company, and I'm still a little, I'ma say it, okay? I'm still a little ghetto. Okay, I'm still a little ghetto. <laughs> um, I'ma just say it. I, that inner city was still in me, uh, all right? Of course, of
1: course.
0: <laughs> so, of course. But I landed this job, it was as if I knew I could be more. When I landed that job, it was as if I knew I could be more. Like I knew I, I worked hard, I never, my son was never going to be an excuse. I was never late for work. If he was sick, I figured it out before I got there. I never took days off. I was a worker through and through.
1: Well, you're at this corporate spot. You're Mm -hmm. Still got the hood in you regardless. (laughs) And you know Switching it up Hi how are you What you said But yeah I get it I get it But Thank you for calling There you go And then hang up And say look I'm gonna bust your head head. I get it I get it I get it I get it So as you Go through life As you said Mm -hmm. Military still It quelled some things That you were Mm -hmm. That you were fighting with For a long time When did the rest The remnant of it Come head to head With you Like Okay Yeah you dealt with that When you was When you was doing push ups And and running in place And all that But now We coming Blow for blow now When did that happen?
0: I would say So I ended up Marrying the guy That I was with before um, I went into the military we ended up you know getting married purchasing my first home at 25 years old and I had another daughter Alexis but he came with two children so a lot of people don't know this story about me and my ex-husband is he had two children prior to me and then I had my son when we came together we didn't do the whole step mommy daddy thing that's not what it was his daughter's mother was In her life, she lived with her grandmother, but his son's mother wasn't really in his life like that. So I still, I just became mom. Now they didn't call me mom, they called me Mo. Everybody calls me that. Um, And then my son at the time, you know, he actually, he now calls him dad. That's, you know, that's been, that was his, that was his constant in his life. Because when I got with him, my son was four at the time. Oh, so that's, that's who he knew as dad. So we got married, we bought our own home. I'm thinking I'm doing, you know, the right things. I have a family now, I'm working this job. And I was, even though I worked for corporate America, because I'm a worker, I always worked two jobs. So, and he worked too. It was just that being in inner city, what happened was we bought a house and it was, A beautiful block at the time, but across the street, this is when the gang activity started to come into the place that I, that I lived, it was always kind of there here in in different areas, but it started to come on my block. They actually had a gang initiation. I will never forget it on the lawn across the street from my house. And that was it for me. I was like, okay, we are, we're, we're going to take our kids and move them from here. So my son, who you heard me talk about that I had at 17, now he's in middle school. OK, so he's he's sixth grade and I'm like, OK, it's time for us to to move now because now this is moving in. And what I wasn't going to do to me was lose my kids to any sort of gangs or listen, gang violence of any sense, yeah. because there was a yep. there was a guy riding a bike down the street next door, like literally woke up in the morning with spotlights and everything. Somebody had shot him in the head mm. and his like like his matter was on my neighbor's car. Oh, man. So that was a pivotal moment in my life that I didn't know because it forced me to, I have to change my environment. My environment is not going to change. So either I stay and let the environment shape me or I move to another environment. That was a turning point for all of us Wow. because that's when I said, this is not serving who I am becoming. This is not how I saw the vision that I had for my family, even though I didn't know much about vision in the way that they talk about it now, but the vision I have for my son and my children wasn't that. So we had to change of environment and it was very scary. I need people to know that because it's like, how'd you make the decision? I decided. It wasn't about us having so much money. We didn't have a lot of money. It wasn't about us, you know, knowing people. We didn't know a lot of people. It was me deciding that that environment was not going to be the environment that I was going to raise my children in at all. So we made that decision. And what what that decision led us to was a good friend of mine had already moved to Pennsylvania. Her and her sister became realtors. So we worked with them to build our home in Pennsylvania. So we actually took our kids now that took our children from any city and brought them to the suburbs of the suburbs of the suburbs <laughs> of Pennsylvania.
1: Well, I've been in, I've been in the suburbs of the suburbs of Pennsylvania. Shock. I've been there. Woo. Yeah, The suburbs of the suburbs of the mm. suburbs of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm.
0: So complete culture shock. So we went to being one of many to, to like one of none, right? We were the chocolate chip <laughs> in the bowl of milk, okay? I mean, that's the only way to put it. We were the chocolate chip in the bowl of milk. With the extreme opposite, right? Because my job I felt was to provide, protect, and I also wanted my children to get knowledge that I didn't have because when you come from an inner city and that's all you're around and you're not around a lot of other cultures, when those cultures move, you don't understand their movements mm-hmm. until it's too late sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And so you start to think that people like you and care about you when you're, and then you'll slowly find out that that's not the truth of that, right? They don't move how you think they move. Right. You say what you want about inner city people, especially in New Jersey, they say that we're rude. I don't say that we're rude. I say that we're clear. You will have clarity. You will know where you stand. What I say is what I mean, right?
1: What I mean is what I (laughs) said. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? So I didn't get that until I went into the military and then corporate America. I wanted my children to understand the ecosystem of how the world works, and they weren't going to get that there. So it was bigger than just what was happening in, in, the, in the town in terms of, you know, gangs and violence. It was also them understanding how the world works, yep. because it looks very different than the fishbowl that we were in. Meaning when I say fishbowl, anytime you're in an environment and in a city in a place that you haven't left from, that's your fishbowl. Yep. So now we're in PA.
1: Hi, hi, Anthony, how are you? <laughs> good morning. You're saying that good to your name. Know, good morning.
0: Oh my God, how are you today? Uh, we're all going to the bus stop at 6.30. Are we going to meet at the bus stop? Yes, we are. What? We're going to have pampered chef parties now. It's so real. <laughs> if you- you know, so, you know the beauty of that though? Outside looking in, I th- outside meaning when I wasn't in that environment, I thought so many things about the environment, but so many beautiful things happened as a result of me being in this environment. I actually, for the first time, really truly understood that anything was possible. It wasn't until I got outside of my fishbowl that I could get to know other people That I can make that decision to know, listen, anything is possible. There's somebody who my dream
1: is their reality. Yeah. I love that. That was huge for me. I love that. And that is true. I think that's when as an inner city product myself is like when we we used to just think that homes and all that, that was only for white people. You know what i'm saying we're like yeah that's only for them we because again our environment was an apartment that was it Mm -hmm. or from when Mm -hmm. you're coming outside was just the block that you was on but you didn't know there was a longer block that you know there was other people's on the other side Mm -hmm. of it that you didn't pay attention to because this is all you saw in your fishbowl thanks for listening to part one with tarnisha check out part two